Hello everybody, this is Clinton Locklear with Ran of a Free Trapper. Uh, it's getting towards, what the heck, it's already February. Uh, it's February, I don't know what has happened. Uh, the polar vortex came through the country about a week ago and it was cold everywhere. And now the birds are thinking that it's springtime outside. It's, it's dang near 70 degrees, I'm back in shorts. I mean, this is crazy. I actually checked coyote traps this morning with shorts and mud boots on. That was my official trapper uniform today was shorts, the beginning of February. This, this is nuts. But it's the world we live in, it seems to be getting nuttier. Now before we get into tonight's show, uh, which I want to talk a little bit about the State of the Union and just some things to think about because of some of the stuff that happened in the State of the Union. I want to thank our sponsor, which is Funky Trap Tags and Supplies. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's got a great company. He's got a great service, great employees. They get your stuff out to you. He's shipping all my stuff now. And uh, he's the sponsor of the rant. So if you enjoy the rant, if you're going to go buy something, uh, keep in mind, he's got all kinds of stuff with trapping. He does a lot with with uh, collars. He's usually got some really good deals on electronic collars and stuff like that. Check him out. That's Funky Trap Tags and Supplies. Now, I'm sure a lot of y'all, some didn't, some did, watch the State of the Union. Now, this thing almost didn't happen. And I was kind of curious to see how Trump was going to do this. And Trump was more presidential during this speech than I think I've ever really seen him. Uh, he, if you'll notice, he did some things in there where he he used the word "I," mine, talking about his uh, administration, probably ten percent of normal, you know. And that's just not a Trump thing. When Obama would speak, I mean, the, every other word was "I," "me," "love me," "I'm the greatest." You know, and Trump's kind of the same way. Uh, Trump and Obama, both big egomaniacs. But Trump is, it's almost like he's hes maturing in the office a little bit about what's going on. Because I'm sure, just like everybody else, you show up, you think you're going to do something, and you find out it doesn't really work the way you think that it's, it's going to. But I thought he did a good job. Um... Some of the stuff was a little weird. It seemed like it was discombobulated about going from one thing to the next. I really appreciate him bringing out the uh, the abortion where basically they can kill babies after birth now and call that, you know, uh, women's health, which I don't know how if it's out of you, how is it your health anymore? But uh, it, so abortion, when you think of it in that terms, it's not that it has anything to do with health. It just, it's just the right for the mother to be able to choose if she kills her baby. That, that's really what that boils down to. And the way he brought that out was very articulate. And it was, it was very, uh, it was well, well done. The, the other thing that I found interesting from listening to other people that were there, they said that for some reason what you don't catch on TV is the hissing. And when I first heard that, think about how un, uncivilized, disrespectful, 
I'm not even sure the right term to use for that. Almost third world, uh, childish. That it was apparently on a lot of the points, and for some reason, even on Fox News, you you never heard the hissing. I don't know if it's a sound that they they kind of got it down where they can't pick it up on TV because they know it makes them look like a, a jerk, or um, they do it just loud enough so the president can hear it to try to throw him off his game. I really don't know, but can you imagine trying to give a a speech when a, a half of the people in there? When you bring up points like, you know, all of the, the senators and congressmen that live behind walls and gates with security forces go behind their walls and gates to be safe while they leave the middle class to deal with the problem of immigration, people hissed, you know, almost like an animal or a snake. And, you know, to me, when you think of a snake hissing, uh, that kind of tells you what the the uh, the liberals that were there that's kind of the way that they are they're kind of like snakes you can't trust them they don't care and they're cold-blooded you know that that's that's one of those things but I found that very interesting is all the hissing that a lot of people were there say that you never hear on TV the other thing is how a lot of the congressmen and senators are looking at Facebook and their Instagram and they're taking selfie pictures and and they're 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 just not paying attention at all, you know. It, it's like it's just a waste of their time. But they want to be there enough to be on TV, you know, so they can try to get their points in some way or another. It was really really weird. But the one that really, when you watched, you could tell people were focused was on that uh, Cortez girl, you know. The the I think she's the the congressman from the Bronx. She had a job as a bartender. Now she's a congressman. Uh, she came out of nowhere. The incumbent that was a Democrat was been there forever, and she went out and she won the election. Um, so she's now the congressman of that. Now most of y'all know who I'm talking about. She's she's a good looking girl. She's like 30 years old. But. Um, I want you to the, 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 to watch her because I think there's a lot of, of things that, that's going to be happening. I think, I think Cortez is either going to be the shining new star of the Democratic Party, she's going to be a hero, or she's going to crash and burn and be an absolute zero. Now, from a political point of view of policy, I think she already is a zero. But she does some amazing things that I don't think Trump nor Washington, D.C. Uh, has a defense for quite yet. I think she scares the crap out of Pelosi. I think Pelosi knows that this girl, if she gets upset enough, can probably destroy a lot of the D Democratic Repart uh, Party and definitely destroy her being Speaker of the House. I think uh, Pelosi is definitely very nervous uh, of, of this girl. But she seems to be the shining star. Now, she is not. When you hear her talk, it's more like you're talking to, um, of course, for you younger, this won't make sense to you. But w when I was younger, there was a, a stereotype of California girls, the Valley girls. You just airheads. They had the right phrases. They 
pronounced their words in weird ways. They, they're always spot on the way they looked. Very, very shallow. And it was kind of a, a joke when I was in high school. You know, you talk about Valley Girls. That's exactly how she comes across. When you hear her answer questions, there doesn't seem to be a lot of real-world intelligence. I'm not saying the girl is dumb. I'm not saying she's stupid. I'm not saying she's a moron. I'm saying she doesn't seem that intelligent about the real world and how it works because she sounds like someone that's been sheltered through college, you know, was radicalized somewhere. And then uh, she went as a bartender and, um, you know, that's probably not the easiest job in the world. But you learn some things when you're a bartender, I bet, and that is how to work people. Because the, the more they like you, the more they're going to tip you. Because I can tell you from personal experience, there's a, a restaurant in Udwah, Tennessee called Wine Down. And uh, there was a bartender in there, and I think he was actually from South America. And we go in there and we sit at the bar. Uh, it's just it's more entertaining to sit at the bar for us to eat than it is at a table because you get to watch them mixing the drinks and try to figure out what it is and uh, you, you're more apt to talk to people and stuff like that. Well, this bartender was unbelievable at having interactions with everybody at the bar. I bet he made more money than probably the owner of the business did that day. I think we tipped him twenty five dollars. I mean, it was just worth the experience. So you learn how to work people. It's not extremely meaningful, but to someone that is skilled in, in the way that this guy was as being a bartender, you feel like if he, you know, if you found him on the side of the road, you just let him move into your house, watch your kids, you know, run your business for a day while you're on vacation. It's people that have that skill set, um, and a lot of it's natural, and I think a lot of it's learned, and, a, and it's it's a very proactive way to do it. You kind of learn some things that most people, even as a waitress, you don't get because you don't see the. It's it's just not the same. But so she was a bartender. Now she's a congressman, and she doesn't seem extremely intelligent as far as well. She don't seem that intelligent about very much, except how to build social capital. Now, this girl knows how to build social capital. She's building an army of followers. She's using social capital in such a way that she's, she's turning herself into not a congressman, a senator, or a president, or something like that. She's turning herself into something like, uh, I guess, like a Tom Cruise or a Snoop Dogg or are seeing our in more of a country world it would be you know you'd have rabid fans kind of like uh blake shelton or or keith urban or or somebody like that where it's 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 you know there's a certain amount of which i don't understand but there is obviously a certain amount of prestige and almost stardom that comes of being a congressman or a senator. But it's not the same as if if you were really into, uh, I don't know, uh, music and you met Michael Jackson or, or something like that. 
she's turning herself into a massive social media star and she's using Congress and her platforms to do it because when you watch what she does she's uh, she's always saying things that make people feel very warm and fuzzy even though when you when you actually think about it it it, it doesn't well hell this seems stupid you know from a logical point of view and she's very good at always pointing out victims and making people feel like victims and then she's going to be the one that's going to be fighting for them. Now all politicians do that but she does this on a next level. She's always doing uh, social media and everything like that uh, with the Twitter and and, and there's the, just the way she works the national crowd is, is Trump. Trump don't hold a candle to her when it comes to this. I mean, he's pretty good, but uh, she's much better, way better than Obama or Michelle or anybody like that's ever been. So just from a point of view of almost interest to watch how these do, do this, I'm very interested in just from a, almost an intellectual kind of way, how in the world is she doing this? But the way that she's working social media and she's always coming across as just the girl next door and all this. But see, all that is just a lie. She's not just the girl next door. She wants socialism. You know, just because she's cute and she's bubbly and she can say the right words unless someone asks her a question, uh, it seems very contrived but in a very natural way but it comes down to her and socialism. She thinks, just like Bernie Sanders, socialism is the way to go. It's always the rich against the poor. It's always the middle class against the rich. It's always the, the poor against the middle class. It's every color of skin against everybody. Whatever you do for, uh, for work is against everybody else. Whatever your gender is, it, it's just full-blown victim Olympics. But she does it with such a smiley face that it, 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 it definitely takes you off guard. When you hear a lot of the other politicians do this, uh, you, it's, it's easier to recognize and it's easier to disregard. But she comes across as so nice and so cute and so bubbly that you kind of get drawn into it if you ever listen to what she says. But there's some interesting things about her, the way she thinks where she has no concept whatsoever of the real world. And one of them is she wants Medicaid and free medical for everyone in America. Now, I guess that means every for everybody that can break in, too. But free medical care for everybody. And I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was something like $23 trillion over 10 years, which probably realistically means it's going to be $46 trillion over the next 10 years. And the $23 trillion or $21 trillion was um, actually figured up by a Democratic think tank. That's the best they could get the numbers. And when she was asked, how are you going to pay for that? Her answer told me all I needed to know about her because she just doesn't it, it's not 
the reality of the world and her philosophy of the world are incompatible. She said, I get so uh, confused when people ask me that. How do you pay for that? Well, you just pay for it. Well, good grief. If, if that's the case, then I'm going to go get me one of them big you know, Hellcat Dodges with 800 horsepower in there and not worry about how I'm going to pay for it. Go get a bigger house, a bigger farm. Don't worry about how I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to max out my credit cards because why do you got to worry? You just pay it. I mean, if if you're just going to pay it, you just pay it. But see, but the real world is that money has got to come from somewhere. But in her mind, it's 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 like the, the tooth fairy just shows up and pays it or something like that. The scary thing about her is socialism. Because she really wants to have a democratic socialism. Now, that's incompatible in America on two ways. One, we're not a democracy. We've never been a democracy. We don't want to be a democracy. And I'm going to put this in a form so anybody can understand what democracy is. I'm going to put this in a form that's probably going to make you uncomfortable, but it needs to make you uncomfortable so you understand what democracy is when you hear it. That means majority rules. So let's say that we got we got uh, three fat guys that's been stuck in prison for 20 years, and they get out on the street and they find themselves with your daughter or your neighbor's daughter or your niece, or somebody like that. Just picture this. Three hard men, kind of smelly, kind of rude, and somehow they're in the presence of your daughter or somebody's daughter or your niece or whatever it is. Picture that in your mind. Democracy does not work off of ethics or morals or anything. It's all, it works off of power, just like socialism does. So in a democracy, the three guys can kind of look around and go, hey, let's take a vote. Who wants to have sex with this girl that we just happen to be in contact with right now? We're just going to throw her on the ground and have her away with her as long as we want to. Let's take a vote. Well, the three guys, if that's the kind of guys they are, and it's all about power, they raise their hand. The girl doesn't raise her hand because she doesn't want to be raped. But do you know what? In a democracy, it's totally fine now to rape that woman or that young girl. That's how democracies work. The other part about democracy uh, is you never have more than an average answer to anything. And that's basic math. So let's say that we want to talk about the economy. Well, you're going to have some of the most brilliant people in the world coming up with ways to help the economy. But you're also going to have the dumbest people in the world that's going to be ha having their reasons for doing the economy one way or the other. So what do you end up with? The brilliant or the stupid? No. You end up with the medium in the middle where the vote can be. That is what uh, democracy ends up being. And it's, it's just nothing thrives in a democracy. 
And it's again, it's all about power. Keep thinking about what this means. It's all about power. And the other thing to think about our democracy is what happens in real life. Real life is people want what they don't have and they use the vote of power in a democracy to take it from people that they it has more than they do. But see, that line always moves. So if we had a democracy now and people are pissed off at corporations and quote rich people, well, we're going to tax them 90%. Let's take a vote. Well, there's a whole lot less few rich people than there is everybody else. So you go get their stuff. Well, then, well, you know, well, we, we knocked them people out. What about them people that have a um, hundred million? Well, let's go take their stuff. Let's take a vote. A million. Let's take their let's take their stuff. Well, see, there's way more people that don't. So you go to keep taking people's stuff until it gets down to, well, for anybody that makes more than ten thousand dollars a year, let's go take their stuff. But it, with with a democracy, that's what's happening right now in Venezuela. They kept voting to steal from their own neighbors. They kept they kept taking what people had to distribute to the, the common. And when that happens, they kept going down the rungs and down the rungs and down the rungs and down the rungs. Till now, all the pets are eating, all the zoo animals are eating. They're on the brink of civil war. People are starving to death. All this mass immigration of the countries around them trying to get away from it. But you know, the people of Venezuela, they are the reason they're going through this. It's not the government. The government's just doing what the people wants. The people wanted to steal people's money so they can have a little bit extra. And since it's always you're voting to take it away from somebody else, you're really confused all of a sudden when it's taken away from you and you get upset. Democracy's really stupid, so democratic socialism is like a double negative of stupidity. Because the only reason that you have what you have today is because of capitalism. You wouldn't have a cell phone if it wasn't for capitalism. You wouldn't have as cheap of gas as if it wasn't for uh, capitalism. You wouldn't have the, the easiness of food if it wasn't for capitalism. You wouldn't have all the video games if it wasn't for capitalism. Every single thing you enjoy comes from capitalism. The opposite is true of socialism. Nothing comes from socialism. Well, I'll take that back. Well, communism. The only, uh, the only thing I can tell that's come from communism is an AK-47, which is a heck of a, uh, of a rifle platform. But besides that, you can't come up with stuff that comes out of socialist countries. So why would she want socialism? Why, why are people drawn to this? I think it's basically because of envy and because of greed. They think that they should have what everybody else have, even if they don't want to do the work that the other people has done. They don't think because someone else was more creative and risked a lot that they should have more than they have if they haven't. So they want socialism to equal, quote, the playing field. The problem is the playing field doesn't get equal. It just starts going, it just starts stinking because everything stops. 
you young people out there may not understand what I'm getting ready to say. When I was a kid, it was a big technological advance when we got touch-tone telephones. Now, before that, there was a rotary dial, and I bet if we were to stick stick a rotary dial in front of a hundred high schoolers today, maybe two or three would figure out how to make a phone call. But the 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 touch button was a big advance. I remember when that showed up because the first one I saw, it was so cool because you didn't have to go all the way around this circle. And if you messed up, you had to hang up and start it all over again. At that time, you had one telephone company that controlled all of the, the telephone lines. They had a monopoly on what was going on. And if anybody tried to break into that sphere, they would use lobbying and government and everything else, and they would come crush all competition. Well, eventually that got broke up. If that was the same then as it is now, you would still have a touch-tone phone. Because for like 50 years, the phone didn't change because there was no reason to change it. So when the, when the cell phone came out, you know, it, yeah, it was the size of a football and it was very expensive. And only, only a few could afford to have something like that. And I think it was like five or six dollars a minute to call somebody on it. But it was a, a status symbol, I guess. But until you couldn't even have the football size cell phone that was basically a house phone, didn't do anything else, no calculators, no apps, no GPS, no none of that, because there was no reason for anybody at, at the phone company to try to innovate because they had completely had the market. When that got broke up, capitalism, someone goes, I can make a phone smaller. I can make the phone with a screen that you don't have to actually see the buttons. I can build a phone where it can text. I can build a phone with a calculator in it. I can build a phone with an alarm clock on it. See, all of these things that we think now is just a phone, I guarantee you most of those come from different individuals. What was the purpose of them trying to come up with a smarter, faster, phone that takes pictures, takes videos, does all this type stuff. I mean, the only reason I've got a uh, uh, 30V LG phone, it shoots 4K video. I've got to downgrade the video before I can even upload it to YouTube. That's a phone. I've got a TV camera that doesn't shoot as good video is my cell phone. I can edit on my phone. I can do all this stuff that we're used to on our phone. Capitalism is the only way that happened because someone goes, if I can make that better, I'm going to make some money because people are going to want to trade money for my idea and my products. When AT&T controlled everything, ride it out, baby.
We ain't got nothing to worry about. That's why they didn't innovate for 50 years. If we went to a socialist society today, your cell phone would not change probably very much from now to 20 years. Now, what's it going to be in 20 years? I have no idea. But it'll be different than it is today because they're going to be coming out with... with uh, all kind of crazy videos and different apps and it, it, it's probably gonna cook your dinner and there ain't no telling what a phone's gonna do but it couldn't happen within socialism and the reason for that and the reason that I get so upset about bullies like Cortez that always talk about socialism they know how to run social media. They always play a victim if someone challenges them. Basically a big spoiled kid is they want control over everyone else's life because that's what socialism boils down to. The idea of freedom and socialism are incompatible. Absolutely incompatible. People talk about Switzerland being a socialist country. That is a absolute ball-faced lie. Switzerland's even came out and said they're not a socialist capital. Uh, socialist uh, country. They said we're a capitalist country with a big safety net. Huge difference. Venezuela is socialist. Cuba is communist. Venezuela is socialist. Socialist countries have a have a very unique way through their history that happens. When they change the socialism everybody's happy except the people at the very top that are on the inner circle of the government because you go steal their stuff and you give it to people and you get to drop prices and and all this stuff so lower and middle class people and poor people all of a sudden have more value in their life because they're robbing their neighbor and they're enjoying the fruits of their robbery on their neighbor well then that money starts to run out because it will because people that have businesses like that leave or get killed and then you got a lower rung of business and after you strip that you've got a lower rung of business well eventually you've got all the employees trying to steal from somebody that's not there anymore and it falls apart Because that's wealth comes from people that produce something, not from people that work for hourly wages, and and that's not meant as a as a negative towards anybody that that works at a job. That 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 is not me being negative towards that at all. Wealth doesn't come from an employee. Wealth comes from the business or the business owner or the idea of the business. That's where the value is at. Because the employee would never have that job to go to without the other you see kind of how that works right there her and a lot of other congressmen that's came on board this time a lot of them female a lot of them that's going to use the victim card whenever they can a lot of them that's going to try to divide everybody into every single group they're really on board with this uh democratic socialist well i mean it's like i said it's it's a, it's a double negative of ignorance and it's it's incompatible with the life that we believe in in america now the reason that i'm so against socialism and i want to just talk about this quickly today is what what it does 
But before I do that, I want you to think about something. And, and I, I'll admit, I've been very wrong on this in the past. I've read the book 1984. It is a scary book. It's where the government has complete control over everything. Cameras are everywhere. You can't. You, you get in trouble for thinking the wrong thing. Um, you know, everybody's telling on everybody. Everybody's scared to death of the government. Everybody just does their job and goes home and tries to hide. And it's a scary, scary book. Well, there's another book, and I used to think that's what America was going to turn into. I think it might, but I think I, I totally missed what the real danger was. The real danger is something that's from a book called The Brave New World. And that's what we're falling into more today. It's people are distracted by stupid stuff, and they focus on stupid stuff. And they they focus on on a lot of social issues and a lot of sports and video games and uh, things that don't really matter and they get comfortable and as they get more comfortable they accept more tyranny because they're too scared to lose their comfort so that's a totally different way of looking at a bleak future one is just like you know boot on your throat uh, hyper surveillance type of uh, situation where everybody's scared you can't do anything without getting caught and if you if you don't agree with whatever you go to the either a prison camp or a re-educational camp well the brave new world is you don't have someone with your 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 boot on your throat the same way you have it in a way where you kind of self disintegrate on your own because you just don't care about anything anymore and comfort does that. Comfort is something people strive for, but I think people actually hate. I, I, I don't think that you can be a, a well-rounded person if you're too comfortable all the time. Now, I like comfort like everybody else. You know, I try to um, do things that make me uncomfortable. One of those ways that I've been doing it here about the last uh, six, seven months is through different forms of exercise. I do that to the point to where it's extremely uncomfortable. And I want to be uncomfortable doing something every day. I think it gets your brain in a better place. Well, you're not so afraid of being uncomfortable. But in the brave new world, everybody was so comfortable that people could just erode everything around them to the point, a little bit by a little bit, but no one would ever do anything because they were worried about their comfort going away. And then at the end, people, just like this little Senator Cortez from Brooklyn, that's when 1984 is going to break out. Because you've got to control a populace if you're going to have them inside of socialism. I don't think they're going to get to socialism or they're not getting to socialism because of something like 1984, boot on your throat. They're getting it just because people are now more ignorant. They don't know their history. They don't know what socialism means. They, they don't know 
anything except you know what what's coming out on the movies what's their favorite music what's their video game or what are their sports or something like that they don't know anything about that they talk like they do but they really don't people just aren't well-rounded anymore at all it, it's whatever their hobby and their job is and that is it besides that they don't have a clue about nothing and they just bebop and bounce around in this comfortable little bubble they have for themselves while everything else is falling apart. Because if you would have tried in 1975 to have an abortion law where you can kill a baby that's been born and is out of the mother and still call it abortion, there might not have been a Washington, D.C. standing. But now... Yeah, that's terrible. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, what's that on TV? Yeah, let's see what that is. The other reason that I think that um, socialism's coming out in such a way is I think it's an active way to divide the people. Because you got socialists and you got non-socialists. And it's just another group. And as we see this more coming up, guys, I just want you to think about something. Because you're going to have a lot of people that are just like the book 1984. And they're going to see that coming that way. And they're going to freak out. They're going to start loading ammo, buying more guns. They're going to start doing all this type of stuff. And then you're going to have the Brave New World people that's just like, as long as I got my cable TV and my refrigerator's full of food and I got gas in the car, yeah, nah, don't care. Kind of that way. But to, for you guys that freak out, because it's going to get a lot worse over the next couple of years, just keep something in mind. There's a part of the world right now as technology advanced as our military is, with all the drones and, and all of the fancy guns and all of the missiles and the ships and the airplanes and the helicopters and the highly trained, motivated troops, there's a country right now that we couldn't conquer in 17 years. And before we tried it, the Russians tried it, and they were a lot more brutal when they tried it than we are. That's Afghanistan. So before you get all freaked out about socialism, just keep one thing in mind. We, the American people, is stronger than our military. We're way stronger than a police force. We're definitely stronger than Antifa and all these little airheads running around spouting off all of this socialism stuff that they don't know the history about. In Afghanistan, with people that are not as smart as people that we put in special education, for the most part, have ancient AK-47 rifles, very little ammunition, wearing sandals and we can't conquer them. 
the amount of Americans and guns and ammo and intelligence and strength of the American people. Don't worry about our military or police force. What you need to worry about is a brave new world where people just give in all the time. That's where socialism takes hold. Now, socialism, when we think about that on this day, a reactionary way, it causes lots and lots of death. That's an absolute yes. That's a historical fact. It causes starvation. That's an absolute fact. That's an absolute yes. Causes war because after you strip everything out of your people, you still got to have resources, so you go to war. That's a yes. Prisons get really full really quick. That's a yes. But there's no innovation. There's no moving forward. It breaks the human spirit, and it has people where they don't even try to have a better life because what's the use? Because if you do better, they're just going to take it from you anyway. And no matter how much of an entrepreneur you are, if you build a product, let's say that I come out with, I spend, uh, well, right now, uh, me and Chip's uh, working on a trap that's radically different than anything that's in the trapping market uh, to catch coyotes. Radically different. Frozen ground, I don't care. Rain, don't really care up to a point. You don't want a better trap, I don't care. You know, we're, we're, we're building this trap that won't, the jaws won't freeze to the ground. Now, what if it takes me and Chip three years to get this thing exactly right? Well, that's going to be a highly profitable thing that we had to suffer three years to get to because if it does what it's supposed to do and it can't freeze, to, the jaws can't freeze to the ground the way that a normal trap does and it catches coyotes and everything like that, People that catch coyotes are going to want to buy that trap, which means they're going to trade money for a product. And we're going to make money. Now, if we were in a socialist country, when we started making that money and the little the little socialist tax collector or social justice, justice tax collector shows up, they're going to take that profit away from us. Where we spent those three years, or however long it is, coming up with this trap, testing it, fixing it, testing it, fixing it. All that doesn't count. But because we have more money than our neighbor that has never tried to design a trap, it's not fair that we have more money than they do. So we have to split it with them. Well, I can tell you now, from an entrepreneur's point of view, the reason an entrepreneur comes up with new products new concepts like the the coyote claymore one and the two that just uh that i just put out today the reason that you do that is if you can build a better something or have a more value added to a product to a customer like claymores give you're going to generate money that's the purpose for doing it if not i would make it for myself and go use it if you take that away why would i strive to have decent lures because all lure makers would make the same money no matter how bad it was. 
destroys the human soul is what I think it does but you can see kind of what socialism is when you look at social justice social justice is a a precursor to either socialism or communism uh, Marx basically did the same thing that our social justice warriors of today are trying to do in America it's very simple you divide, you subdivide, you subdivide that group, and you subdivide that group till there's no one that's got any really group with them, but everybody's pissed off at everybody else. And if everybody's mad, they're looking for someone to come in and save them. I mean, to me, that's almost a flaw of human uh, characteristics, but you can see it in social justice. And, it, and it, it's very simple. It doesn't play out in the real world very well, but it, it, it can definitely get a group. You always start with a group preference, rich and poor, that's what Marx did. And then you get the one group to hate the other group. And then the group that's being hated on, you figure out how to guilt them into giving what the other group that's hating them wants because it makes them feel better. That's the way social justice works. And there's also the main component of social justice is the original sin concept of social justice. So. Me and you, if you're white and I'm white, we're guilty of slavery in America, even though that was the common thing throughout the world at the time and we weren't special about it. But that was the common thing about it in early America before we were born, that there was slavery of black people. We're guilty of what people we didn't know did to people that aren't still alive. But just because we didn't do it, just because we're white, we're guilty of that original sin. Same goes for uh, the difference between, you know, the, the, the male uh, hierarchy. Because there has been men that have abused women, all men are guilty of abusing women. That's how social justice works. No one cares about if the individual is guilty. It's just a group preference is, is guilty. And you can use any example you want for that. So when you hear people, it doesn't really make sense. Like, you know, when, when I watch the State of the Union, the liberals on the Democratic side, to me, actually seem like they were from another planet. they really did and a lot of the social justice warriors that were in that are now in the Democratic Congress they love social justice because it gets people mad it gets people separated and it always gives them power and power is always the absolute unless you're gonna build a country around freedom that's why there's such a conflict right now Americans bid on individual freedom Everybody's born and can do what they want, and they got to suffer with the consequences or reap the rewards. One of the two. Now, some people are more talented, more, more some people are, are born in, in uh, more money, all this different stuff. But as babies, no one's got any advantage over anybody else. And as you grow up, you have the opportunity to do whatever you want to do. Now, in social justice world, that that's that's wrong, because if there's more women doing something 
are more men that are doing something than women, then it's obviously about power. And it's not really, because a lot of times women just don't want to do what men do. And most men don't want to do what women do a lot of times. But it's always about the power. It's always about subdividing, and it's always basically boiling people down to the get to the point where socialism can kick in. But the next time you hear anything about social, uh, social justice warrior, you hear any of these arguments about white patriarchy or about colonialism or about uh, the slave uh, American being built on the back of slaves, which every nation up to that point was built on the back of slaves, for goodness sake. That was the historical context of the time. But every time you hear anything about race, everything about this, I want you to think about the next example I'm going to give you because it is not a nice example. But according to social justice and according to the way socialism is going to put people in groups, this is where this is going to end up. And I want you to see how ridiculous it is to believe in the original sin concept of social justice. Everybody here has got a mother. That's the only way you got here. If you had a good mother, you're not going to like this, what I'm getting ready to say. Your mother was a child molester. According to social justice rules, that is a correct statement. Your mother was a child molester or a child abuser, sexually or physically. Your mother is guilty of abusing children. How can I say such a thing to you right now? According to social justice and the precursor to socialism, the original sin catches your mother in a catch-22. There are mothers that sexually abuse and physically abuse their children. That is a fact. And if one mother does it, regardless if another mother doesn't do it, she's still guilty because the group of moms, and that group could be white, black, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, socialist, capitalist, whatever it is, it's just a group, groups are relevant. But if you can find sin within a group, everybody in the group is guilty. So when you hear social justice people talk about these social justice, put that in the context of they would absolutely agree and convict your mother of being a child molester or a child abuser because she is in a group where people have done that and she's as guilty as the one that did it. Because what is different from that example of me that's never had a slave, never done anything to black people, is guilty of racism and, and, and I should have retributions for slavery because of white people somewhere else that I don't have control of and I've never done it. They did something, so I'm guilty. So if that's the case, this is how crazy this gets when you take it to the nth degree. All parents are child abusers. All husbands beat their wives. All wives beat their husbands. All women cheat on their husbands. All men cheat on their wives. See, because inside of those groups, you can find the sin. And if you can find the sin, you can now prosecute.
It is absolutely lunacy. That works in the social justice world, and it works in the socialism world, but it doesn't work in the capitalistic world. It doesn't work in a freedom-based world because we're not put in groups in America by technically the law. We are free individual people that have a right to do things and we have to live with the consequences of those and if you're hurting somebody else you'll be convicted of that crime supposedly but if one person does something to somebody else that don't mean you can go convict somebody else for that crime and it, when, you, when you really get to the core because all of the issues about race and gay phobia and and you know the the, the uh, being afraid of muslims and racism and uh, white patriarchy and male patriarchy and all that that all sounds good right now but as this keeps devolving everybody's guilty that's the purpose of it everybody is guilty Everybody's going to be mad at everybody. Everybody's going to hate everybody. Everybody's going to feel guilty about something they didn't do. Like, people get, I've, I've told several people, they don't know what to say when they bring up something like colonialism or racism or slavery. I got zero guilt. People don't even know how to deal with that anymore. They've been trained to be guilty, to be used for so long that to hear someone say they have no guilt about slavery because I've never had a slave. Why would I be guilty about it? Just like your mom shouldn't feel guilty about being a child molester if she wasn't a child molester. That's where they want to take us, guys. That's where the new liberal Congress wants to take us. Where everybody's guilty, but a few have power and control. You can see in Venezuela. Everybody else is starving to death except for them fat bastards that are sitting at that palace eating all the food. No, they're not hungry with the people. And this Cortez girl, she ain't going to be hungry either. But she'll take money out of your child's mouth in a heartbeat because she deserves it. Really watch her. Study from her. I think she's a great case to learn about how Politicians can manipulate people through today's technology. How personalities can manipulate people in such a way that people get sucked in when they shouldn't. Just something to think about, guys. Just something to think about.